All right. Welcome to this episode of Strong Dads Community. I'm your host, Charlie Ford. This podcast is part of Thumos, a community optimizing men for growth, purpose, and impact. You can find us on most social media platforms under the handle Strong Dads Community, or you can check us out at strongdadscommunity.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. I hope the parallels in these stories encourage you to realize your own potential. Today, we have a husband and a father. He's also a retired United States Navy Vice Admiral who last served as commander of the U.S. Naval Information Forces. Along with a host of roles in the United States Navy, he served as commanding officer of the Naval Oceanographic Office, the Naval Meteorology and Oceanography Command, and the deputy commander of Joint Functional Component Command for Space under U.S. Strategic Command. He is a qualified surface warfare officer, information warfare officer, and space operations officer. He's the man, the myth, and the legend in the making, Admiral Brian Brown. Welcome, Brian. How are you, man? Charlie, I am doing well. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh, I'm glad that you're taking the time to sit with us and talk a little bit about your experience as husband, father, and U.S. Navy extraordinaire. Thank you. I just want to upfront thank you for uh, lending your talent to this uh, to this podcast series. I've been listening since the beginning, and uh, and they're special. So I, I I really value the opportunity to be on one, and I'm humbled by it. I also want to give you uh, three gold stars for uh, getting through the intro uh, of my bio. Uh, usually, <laughs> a few of those names trip people up. <laughs> thank you for that. No, man, it sounds it's you've done so much. You've got you've spent 35 years. Is that correct? In the uh, in the military? That's correct. As a commissioned officer, I uh, I can claim a few more wearing the uniform. Um, I started when I was 17 wearing a uniform. I was accepted to the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis. I went there just before my 18th birthday. Uh, so wore a uniform for those four years. Uh, and when I graduated, uh, from there, I got my commission and then did 35 years from there as a commissioned officer. So what, I mean, if we if we rewind the clock, what made you, were your parents in the military? Uh, what, what what got you interested in joining the military? Yeah, I think that, you know, I'm a, I'm a, not a legacy from a Naval Academy, but I'm a legacy Navy kid. I, I grew up in a Navy family, um, uh, kind of a history that goes back to my grandfather's um, and to my dad. Um, my dad, uh, enlisted when he was 18, uh, served for six years as a corpsman in the Navy, got out, um, was able, uh, right about the time I was born and then was able to get back in on a commissioning program, uh, to get education and, uh, was recommissioned, uh, as an officer in 1970. And so, um, you know, I spent most of my my youth and my formative years uh, in and around and living on uh, naval stations uh, and uh, lots of friends who were Navy. And so it was just part of me um, growing up. I ended up uh, graduating high school about 60 miles south of uh, the United States Naval Academy uh, in a little town called uh, uh, Patuxent River, Maryland. And um, there was a strong draw because of the closeness of the academy. And so uh, when it came down, you know, time for, for choosing schools, 
Um, you know, my parents were like a lot of, uh, you know, middle-class parents. Uh, my father was on his second marriage. Uh, I had two younger siblings, half siblings in the house. Um, money was tight. Uh, there wasn't much saved up for college. Uh, I knew I was going to have to do it on my own. And, and that also was a, a strong appeal, right? I could, uh, I could venture out at 17 years old. I didn't have to ask my parents for money and I could go, uh, go my own way. And, and, uh, you know, a service academy allows you that opportunity. Uh, they pay you to go to school. They pay for a, a top level education. You have a guaranteed job when you finish. So it seemed pretty appealing. Uh, and so off I went at 17. <laughs> Did you move around a lot? Like were, were a lot, a lot of movement with your dad being? Yeah, in the Navy? I, I, I did. Um, not as much as, you know, maybe my kids did. Um, I, uh, like I said, when my first, my first nine years or so, uh, was spent in Southern California, Orange County area, just outside of LA. Um, my dad was, uh, you know, gotten out of the, the service, uh, was going to school, uh, was working, uh, working at night. Um, that's when my mom and dad divorced during that time frame. Uh, he remarried, got his commission, initial duty station was there, but, uh, 1974 started the moving for me. Um, I was living with my mom, but my dad got orders to, to Guam and, um, we all decided it would be a good opportunity for me uh, to go to experience, uh, you know, living, uh, living on an island in the, in the Pacific. So, uh, off we went. Uh, my dad was brand new married. I, I knew my stepmother, who I call mom. Now uh, she raised me for a lot of years. Um, and uh, uh, we went to Guam and uh, I loved it. And uh, that second family started there. Uh, and I just kind of stayed with my with my dad uh, and my stepmom. Um, and along the way, we moved back to San Diego and then to Jacksonville and then up to Maryland. Uh, my brother came along along the way and uh, and so, yeah, I, uh, you know, not as many moves, I guess, as my kids may have had. Uh, but uh, certainly we were a pretty uh, a transitory family. We didn't stay in places more than a few years, even when we were living in, in Southern California. I moved out. I went to a lot of different schools, even in elementary school, just uh, kind of the way it was and being one of those, uh, you know, uh, baby boomer families, uh, nuclear families and California families that, uh, uh, family trees look, look a lot more like uh, shrubs or, or, or weeds because of the, all the divorces and separations and things. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't have traded any of that. I think, uh, I think moving around and experiencing different things, uh, I learned the value of that as I was raising my own kids. Um, you know, there's a blessing of being Growing up in one area and having all family in one area and all friends. And, and, you know, I certainly see that aspect of it, but there's also another side of it uh, when you get to experience a lot of other things. Um, there's goods and there's, there's goods and others from, uh, on both sides. But yeah, I, uh, I moved around a bit, but not as much as uh, some uh, from a Navy family. So with all the movement, uh, do, do you find that it's easy? Like you become better and better at making new friends. Does that get easier? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I think, uh, I think, uh, I, certainly, certainly with, you know, with age, you get more confident in it too. Some people just excel or they're, they're more extroverted and they excel at that, uh, uh, being able to walk in with strangers and just, you know, kick things off. Um, I'm kind of, I am an extrovert, uh, but I, uh, I have introverted tendencies. Uh, I do like alone time and, 
too big a crowd, you know, draws, draws the, draws the <laughs> energy out of me. Uh, uh, yeah. you know, and, you know, I know a lot of people can feel that, but you know, there's other, you know, other extroverts that you throw them in a crowd and they just, they, they, they amp up on all the other, all the energy. I, I'm kind of the opposite. Um, you know, for me, for me, making friends wasn't terribly hard. Um, and I have certainly still connections all the way back, uh, through two high schools, uh, that I went to and, uh, along my career college, and then like every duty station across the globe, I've got friends everywhere. So I would say it was pretty easy for me. I, I, my, both my kids, uh, um, are on the introverted side. Um, and so I watched them struggle a bit, uh, which was some of the decisions we made, uh, as they were getting into, you know, junior high, high school and some of the decisions we made uh, as a family, uh, which ended up, uh, you know, with some separate separation time between me and the kids, uh, me working, in, you know, in another area, uh, just to keep them, you know, in, in a, in a spot because it was more comfortable for them. Um, um. You know, but you, you know, everybody's different, I think. Um, but, you know, the, the other piece of it is it does make you, I, I watch my kids now and they're, they're stronger for it. I think if they, um, if they hadn't uh, gone through it or if I hadn't gone through it, you know, the experience piece would have been severely lacking and uh, they wouldn't be quite the rounded individuals. I think they've, they've grown up to be. And how, how many kids do you have? I have two. Eric is uh, 30. Uh, Eric's also a member of Thumos. Uh, and uh, he's partly the reason why I'm in Thumos. We can, we can tackle that one. And then my daughter, Anna, will be, uh, she's 27, but uh, rapidly approaching 28. Uh, I'm blessed that both of them live uh, within a mile and some change in me. That's not always been the case for the last, you know, uh, eight, nine years. Uh, last part of my Navy career, um, but we're all within about a mile of each other. Uh, I get to see them, you know, a few times a week, and and uh, it's nice having adult kids and having them kind of bounce back around. Not living with you, that's always good too. But uh, but you know, having them come back around and uh, and have a different type of relationship with them, uh, I'm very blessed. Mm. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Thumos, and I love asking. Whenever somebody mentions Thumos, like what, what in, in just two short sentences, what does Thumos mean to you? Um, Thumos to, to me is a, is a connected community of men uh, who want to make the world a better place. Mm. And they do that by making themselves better and lifting everyone around them. Um, the tenets of love, light and strength have been on my heart. Uh, since I retired, um, and it's uh, it's just a it's a great community that helps me be accountable um, and be better every day. So that's that's what Thumos is for me. Mm, thank you for that. Uh, when, when when you think about your dad, it does it, is there something that bubbles up for you in terms of one of the most important things that you learned from him? Um, yeah, I, I'll tell you, I, it's kind of an interesting, uh, it's an interesting day for me because, uh, tomorrow my dad actually goes in for, uh, for open heart surgery and uh, it's his second round and he's 83. So he's been on my mind a lot. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, we, we go through life and that's the kind of things that happen. Um, my dad and I, um, this year, um, kind of, 
I wouldn't say restarted our relationship, but deepened our relationship. Um, and, and partly due to experiences I had through Thumos and, and really reflecting on where I was in life. But I tell you about my dad. My dad's a great dad. He's a loving dad. He's a kind dad. Um, you know, he provided, um, he always was supportive, but my dad was very, um, in, aloof in the relationship. I would say he was there, uh, but not always, you know, there in the way that, that maybe, um, I see other dads, uh, involvement in things with me were, were very limited. I watched him go to work. I watched him come home. You know, it's not, it's not nothing wrong with it. Um, it just we weren't uh, we weren't as close and we weren't we weren't doing things together. Um, that's uh, you know when you when you go back to the root of things, right? Which is what you know some of the things we go after um, in in Thumo is trying to think through what our what our core wounds are and and, and where things might have been. I, I've often studied my dad because my dad grew up in a uh, in a family with a mother uh, with you know with a dad that wasn't there a mother who was married many times with an alcoholic um, who uh, who left him with his grandmother and then would come back and leave and come back and leave. And, you know, my dad, my dad was shaped by that. Right. And so the person he is, is completely shaped by that. And I understand that now and I understand where he comes from. Um, my dad, my dad did, you know, bless me with opportunity. He always supported me. Um, and, uh, you know, he was an example for me, uh, in what a career in the Navy could look like. And, um, you know, and he was a motivator for me. Uh, and so, you know, along my, along my journey in the Navy, uh, there was always that piece of it, you know, that I needed to, you know, you know, my dad, the Navy veteran, I needed to make him proud. And, uh, mm -hmm. I know I have, and, uh, uh, and that's helped shape a lot of things. Uh, you know, in many ways I went well beyond where my dad was, uh, when he retired, um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess, I guess in some ways, you know, I, he could be jealous of that, but man, he never was because, you know, he just, there's a lot of pride there. I love my yeah. father very much. And, uh, I just wish, you know, if I look back in, in, in life, I just wish we had, you know, you're asking me for about tangible moments in my life. I just, I have a hard time putting those together. It was good and it was, it was warm and it was wrapping, but it wasn't, there wasn't outstanding moments like that. You know, this is the one thing my dad gave me, um, except he gave me life and he, you know, he gave me opportunity. And I guess that's really all you can ask for in the end. So, so when, when you think back to you joining the military, uh, obviously you had some different motivations. You mentioned that you wanted to make your dad proud. How, uh, you know, being in, <clears throat> in the Navy for that length of time, I'm, I'm assuming your why and your motivation kind of morphed and changed along the way. Um, can you describe how that, you know, how, how it was the motivation going into the military, you know, at such a young age versus what you had to overcome through the different phases as your accountability grew? Yeah, sure. I, I think, um, you know, like I said, a lot of the motivation at the very beginning was uh, was independence, uh, college degree, uh, a career that you know kind of fit somebody who had discipline and and was kind of already you know molded to it. It just seemed to me to be the the direction I wanted to go. I really didn't want know what I wanted to do with my life. I wasn't so driven at that point. 
So a lot of the early on things, I think, were just to, to gain independence and, and uh, not not feel like, um, you know, I owed my parents anything more than they had given me. I just I was I've always been very independent about those kind of things. You know, I I I, I did well at the Naval Academy. I won't, I won't lie there. I graduated very high in my class, but it was a struggle personally for me all the way through there. You know, I was kind of the guy that was always going to quit. Um, cause I was, I didn't like this or didn't like that or, you know, and even, even struggled getting to where I was going to be in the Navy in terms of career choice. Um, you know, I went in, um, I went in thinking I would be a Marine aviator and that thankfully didn't work out, but that's what I thought I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I ended up doing something very different. And in fact, I did not want to be a surface warfare officer. You mentioned at the beginning, these are the guys that drive ships around and, and uh, which later was turned out to be really cool. It's just something I didn't want to do. And it, and it, by ways and means of things, I that's what I ended up uh, commissioning into. So when I got into the Navy, I, 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 you know, the first few years, I, you know, I didn't know, right? I, I owed a commitment for, um, I owed a commitment for the schooling I had, and uh, you know, I didn't know if I was going to make it a career. Uh, along the way, I met my wife Kim. Uh, she was in school. I was in graduate school, actually, maybe paid for graduate school. And, um, and, uh, we ended up getting married and we were living in San Diego. Everything was good. She met me when I was, uh, a grad student at, uh, Scripps, uh, Scripps Institution of Oceanography, University of California, San Diego, which if you've never been to La Jolla, California, uh, the, the campus is right on the Pacific ocean on the cliffs over, over the Pacific. Mm. So nice. it was not a bad place. It was not a bad place to be. <laughs> I was being paid as an ensign and I was wearing shorts and t-shirts and that's how she met the Navy guy. Uh, and she had zero, you know, military in her family, zero. So, you know, her introduction to me was, you know, kind of a, kind of a grad student. Um, you know, we, we jumped onto the ride and uh, I guess the more I served uh, and the more I was with um with uh, sailors, uh, and as my level, you know, the opportunities came up, um, and my level of leadership grew. I, I, it really grew addictive, right? I loved the opportunity, and when I think about it, to be a servant leader, uh, and and I, I that molded early in me. Uh, it doesn't always mold early in people, but it molded early in me, and it 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 kind of drove me, and I and I just started moving up the ladder. And, uh, and I think some of my early decisions were indecision, right? I, I, uh, I made choice to stay because the choice to leave was harder. Um, not always the best way to make a career decision, obviously worked out in my case. Um, but there was always something, one of the things about being in the military is while I was a thing, a naval commissioned naval officer, my jobs were always different. And I knew every couple of years I was going to have a different job with a different scope of responsibility uh, in a, in a hierarchical way that was going to increase my, my span of influence. And um, that became very, that became addictive. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, you know, I fell into, I fell into opportunities along the way that, that gave me, uh, that allowed me to um, showcase the things I could do which were mostly around molding teams of people that did things better. Um, I'm not sure that I did anything 
personally, <laughs> other than gave opportunity for others to be better, especially the more senior I got. And then I just got on this wave, you know, and uh, I was in, I had transferred out of oceanography or uh, excuse me, uh, surface warfare and naval oceanography, which then eventually merged into this information warfare piece. And um, along the way, um, you know, I got very good at my at my my technical trade, but I was also, um, you know, finding myself in challenging positions and uh, I was able to puzzle things out and those things just kept moving me forward. And pretty soon I had kids, uh, I had a family, you know, I had, a, I had a growing family. Um, I had other responsibilities um, and those were motivators. But I tell you, you know, I could have jumped out at the 20 year point. In fact, Kim and I had had a big discussion. We were in Jacksonville, Florida. We loved living in Orange Park, which is a, just south of the Naval Air Station there. Great friends. Still go, we still go see them. We thought, okay, this is it. You know, I've, I've made commander. Uh, that's five. That's five rungs up on the officer uh, piece. I was a commanding officer of a small uh, unit there. Um, you know, I'd reached what I had felt like was pinnacle, um, and then I got selected for the next pay grade. And we discussed it, and it was like, okay, let's go. And uh, we had we didn't look back, and that's what brought us to Louisiana. And uh, it's kind of where we homesteaded the kids, and we kept them here in the school. And um, we built a we built a life here. Uh, and it was fortunate because the career field I was in had a number of opportunities here over at Stennis Space Center. Um, I did go away. Uh, we made a decision, uh, a tough one. Eric senior in high school, and I made a decision to go to D.C. Um, to take a job up there uh, because the pyramid was getting very small at the top and my shot at making, you know, one star rear admiral, uh, was better than average. Uh, I needed to check some blocks and, and, uh, and so we made a decision and I went up, uh, and did what we call geographic bachelor or geo batching. Um, and, uh, and I missed Eric's entire senior year of high school. Um, that that was for one year. It was a one year stint. It was one year, and then I promoted and came back to be the one star over at Stennis at the Commander Naval Meteorology and Oceanography Command. Uh, I knew that was the goal. I knew that was the gambit, right? I was going to promote in a year, or I wasn't. And either way, I was coming back. <laughs> so, gotcha. So yeah. you know, we made a decision, but man, you know, that was a hard one. And I missed. You know, I it. You know, you, you can't go back. You can't roommate. It's one of my. It's one of my shadow things that I try to stay out of, but there are moments, you know, when I see pictures or hear of things and, or Eric talking about things that happened uh, in his senior year, you know, I was not here. And, um, you know, uh, in the big scheme of things, it was the right decision for the family. Uh, but you know, that's the way life goes, right? You, 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 you take what's coming and, and you, you try to make the best decisions and move through it. Uh, and then we were here for a couple of years. Uh, uh, and then I was just on this, you know, then I was on the, a new set of uh, cogs uh, in the, in the, in the chain. And uh, I discovered once you make flag officer, you think you might have all this influence over things. There was a lot of other people that were going to tell you what to do. And, and the, the gears were turning and, and it seemed like my nine years as a, as a, as a flag officer just went by really fast because I was kind of being moved and told I ended up in a, job that I didn't know anything about out in California. 
Uh, this is the space one that you mentioned, Joint Functional Component Command for Space, U.S. Strategic Command, which is now U.S. Spacecom. Uh, over time, it, it, it morphed into that. And um, I was the deputy commander, and my commander was had wore two hats, and he was he was a three star, I was a two star, and uh, he was gone a lot, so I got to run the place. And man, I loved that job. Uh, it was so different than anything I'd ever done, and I I realized that uh, in life you've got to challenge yourself, and that that curiosity and that uh, you know that young kid just thirst for adventure. Yeah. It, 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 it had gone away. And when I fell into that one, man, it just came back in spades. Uh, I got, unfortunately, and I say that with tongue in cheek, extended for a year. I got three blissful years working in that job, just moving and shaking and changing. And, and with all services, you know, not just Navy, with, uh, with uh, Air Force, with um, Army, and also some, uh, some of our uh, allied partners, Canadian, UK, Australian. And it was just, uh, we just had so much fun. And for Kim and I, it was like a second. We were, we were brand new empty nesters, and uh, we were living in wine country in, in northern Santa Barbara County, where they grow Pinot and Chardonnay. And we met all these winemakers. And we were like in our, you know, our second honeymoon phase. Uh, it was just, uh, you know. I, that's the when I ruminate, I got to go positively ruminate back on those years, uh, you know. And then it just led it just led to other things, and it you know it led to a third star, which is a lightning strike. There's you know there's in the Navy there's thirty there's about thirty three stars in fifty two thousand fifty four thousand officers. You know that's pretty small. <laughs> it's right. pretty small, right? When you get to the top, um. And, you know, I had the opportunity to kind of lead my last command uh, and doing that and retiring from the Navy, um, you know, kind of at a place that, that as a young ensign or even as that high schooler going to the Naval Academy, never in a million years would I have thought I've gotten to. Um, mm. Yeah. So <laughs> the motivators, you asked me what the motivators, by that point, it was all, it was all about the people. The mission was great. But it was all about the people. Um, it was every little person that um, I could help, provide opportunity for, give them give them grounds to grow. I, I learned I learned to let go of control. You know, a young man's game is control. A wise a wise man, older man's game is let go of control and and, and let others do and watch them bloom. Uh, that's where the satisfaction comes from. And that's what I really got out of my last job. Wasn't my most fun job. I wouldn't, I would never talk about it as my dream job. I had for three years in wine country, California. I was in Norfolk. We loved living in Norfolk. I love the people of my command. Um, the job, the job was hard. It was grinding. It was never ending. You couldn't finish anything. It just, it was one of those kind of jobs, but I smiled every day coming to work. Even when I only had 10% of my command there during COVID, I still smiled every day coming in because uh, it was somebody I would talk to, touch, provide opportunity, uh, you know, and help. And uh, that kept me going uh, all the way to the bitter end. So and by the time you got right right up to retirement, uh, just for the listeners out there, how, how many people were you accountable for about? Yeah. So um, in 
in the big scheme, influence-wise, was about 60,000 sailors, officers, and civilians globally. Um, I had influence over their training, their manning, um, and their equipping. Um, they often worked for other people, but I was still responsible for how all that worked. Uh, directly under, under my purview was about 20, 21,000. Um, that was supported by a headquarters element that I went to every day that was about 700. So it was a lot. Um, you know, it, it would, it would boggle your mind if you, <laughs> if you, if you thought about it. I had a, a lot of commanding officers in between me and all the sailors, and I had a lot of senior civilians, uh, and I had a lot of really talented people. So on a day-in, day-out basis, I didn't worry too much. Uh, and when things came up, I had a pretty good, I was pretty good at handling uh, the challenges. Um, I was much better at doing that broadly distributed across what I just told you that I was oftentimes within my own, you know, small family unit. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a, that's kind of the funny part about it, right? Um, uh, I often laugh at it, it, some of the stuff that I just get worked up over, which just doesn't matter, and uh, and and how quickly I can drag down the people closest to me, um, you know, going into shadow when I had far bigger things that happened, you know, across the, the you know across the globe, right, and. And it never fazed me. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a funny dichotomy uh, sometimes, I think, um, you know, when I look back at it. But uh, so it's where I was. Uh, and I can kind of separate, I think, you know, in my head, uh, Brian, the commander, the three star. And then I'd come home and I was Brian, the, you know, the dad, the husband. Um, and I wasn't always as good at handling the stress <laughs> as dad, the husband as I was the commander, the vice admiral. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I would, I would, I would think in my own, you know, my own, uh, immature kind of mindset, I'd, I'd want to walk through the door and have everybody say, okay, what is it that you need? Cause, uh, we're here to serve <laughs> Cause, right, yeah. uh, you know, just being an admiral, man. Yeah. I would imagine that you should just walk in the door and tell everybody what to do. So, so yeah, so it was hard for you to manage or more difficult for you to manage, uh, the, the, people closest to you. And, and on that note, um, I'm curious, uh, you, you had to spend quite a bit of time on uh, ship deployments, right? Is that, is that correct? I, I, yeah, I, not as much as, as some, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, my clock was somewhere around, you know, seven total years of at sea time, you know, out of 35 years. Um, like I said, not insignificant, uh, but there are far many more, you know, folks in the Navy, uh, in different specialties that, you know, spend close to half, half their time. Uh, you know, I was about, a, you know, what, a third or so, but, you know, uh, or fifth, uh, I could do the math, um, uh, you know, of, uh, of my time. Uh, I spent that, uh, I spent that on uh, a few deployments, you know, that were concentrated pieces of, of under, of gone time. And then, you know, a lot of in and out training periods, uh, a lot of other small things. Uh, and then I did a two year stint, uh, stationed out of Italy. Um, and that was pretty much all c considered sea time, uh, was gone quite a bit. It was post nine 11. So, you know, a few years, a few years there. Yeah. I was just curious how, how that, how you managed, uh, you know, re 
I guess, reintegration with your family after being on deployment? Did, did you have like a routine? I would imagine it's, yeah. it's pretty rough coming back and integrating with, you know, wife and kids. I have, I am blessed. Uh, I am blessed with my wife, Kim, who is a very, a very strong woman who, you know, when I would leave, um, you know, she just kept things, she took things over. She, and, uh, you know, she was the anchor. Um, in fact, uh, you know, the, the funny thing about our family is we all have family tats and, uh, we, we got them when like, I don't know, 2015, I think, yeah. Uh, uh, as a kind of a joke. And then we ended up the hell or high water tattoo parlor down in, uh, in uptown and, and, uh, we all got tattoos. Um, <laughs> It was my first and only, and uh, we decided to do them nautically themed. And so I put a helm, and so I wear a helm, you know, uh, you know, like on Gilligan's Island, right? Uh-huh. Helmet since the beginning. My helm is uh, is on my chest, uh, and Kim's uh, Kim's is the anchor. She's kind of on her right hip, and uh, and uh, you know, it was really symbolic of the person who was the anchor of our family during during many of those uh, periods of time. And it wasn't just I would say, you know, it wasn't only just deployment time, uh, but as a flag officer, I was on the road probably three weeks, you know, out of every month. And so I was gone all the time. Uh, you know, I probably was gone more in my last nine years than I was probably in my first, you know, whatever. And, uh, it, you know, and so, you know, she really is the anchor. Um, for reference, my kids have a sextant. Uh, Eric has a sextant. And my daughter has a compass rose. And those are both you know, navigation things, you know, uh, uh, symbolizing the journey of life. So it's kind of, I've, I love the fact that we have family tattoos that are, that are nautical and, and, and themed for each one of us. Um, so anyway, no, <laughs> I love it. it. Man. Back, to how you, back to how you manage this stuff. It's funny. Uh, you know, you get ready to go on a, on a long deployment and I, it's so typical. I was even watching this here recently. My son who works in the Naval Oceanographic office, uh, went on his first, uh, you know, kind of one month, uh, deployment on a on a oceanographic survey vessel uh, last fall, and I was e- even watching him as he was getting ready to go. Um, it's a funny thing about humans uh, approaching separation. I think it happens to everybody. Just in, if you're gonna if you're gonna separate, the ones that are closest to you almost get kind of uh, you almost isolate from them. You 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 start to get nitpicky and pushing back and trying to isolate, you know, in the, in the, in the moments when you should be embracing and loving and, you know, and, and getting all you can, it's almost like a, a protectionary measure to, to keep you from hurting when you're away. Right. If you push them away early and then you leave it, it feels good. And then, then you're gone and then you kind of regret all that for a long time. And now you're getting close to coming home and you just, you just really, really looking forward to that, you know, that reintegration and you walk through the door and something's changed, something's not right, it's something trivial. And you latch onto that and you do almost the same thing you did at the beginning. And it used to drive me nuts. And I, and I did it every time. Um, I, so, integra- so leaving and reintegration are really, um, they're really tough. Uh, and long separations are, are tough. Um, and you have to have a good partner in life, uh, and resilient kids. Um, and you have to be self-aware. And I think those, all, those things were all in, in favor of me. Um, but I've watched it many times where, you know, families don't really make it. Uh, if there's, 
we used to say in the Navy, in the Navy, people who got married while they were on sea duty often got divorced on shore duty because they, <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> they were around their spouses too much. Um, and those that were married on shore duty uh, often got divorced on sea duty. Um, and so, you know, it, it, those things are true and they kind of go back to those, those things. But I think any kind of, uh, you, you know, it, it, I guess it's a, it's, it's a control thing, right? All this always boils down to some level of how you feel about controlling. You're going to leave. You want to control your emotions and how you, you depart. And so you start doing stupid stuff, which doesn't make any sense. You come back and you want to be integrated and loving all this stuff. You come back and you want to control again, creates little frictions. Yeah, you got to be self-aware of it. So yeah, on, on that to- on on that topic, like what if if there was somebody out there that was thinking about this, what what uh, is there any are there any tasks that or uh, awareness pieces that you could give advice on for people who are reintegrating, like what to be aware of? Yeah, I just I think you need to be I think um, you need to be. You need to think through what your expectations are and understand that, you know, you're likely going to walk back into a household or into a, you know, into a, a uh, something that has that has morphed into something else while you've been gone. Right. You're a family of four and you go off for six months and you come back. Well, that family of four was a family of three and the dynamic of that family of three kept moving while you were gone. And it didn't, it didn't include you in the same way. Yeah. Uh, when you come back in, you can't expect to be where you were with a family of four. You're now a family of three plus, and you have to reintegrate to be what the new family of four looks like. It's when you resist that and you're not, aware, you're not self-aware at that point. And when you resist it, where all the friction comes. Uh-huh. And I guess that probably it's just to be present. Um, my, you know, my biggest fault in life. And I, you know, is, is often I, I walk into a situation, I think backwards, I think forwards, I'm not present. Uh, and being present, you know, really just brings out awareness. I think sometimes it helps you through it. Uh, but you, you have to, it's going to happen. You know, Charlie, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. It's, it's interesting in, in, in a less than a year now, I'm going to leave for six months to go to school in Michigan, uh, to do, you know, part, part whatever my career. <laughs> I've always wanted to work with wood and I love playing music and I have an opportunity to go to school to learn how to build and repair guitars. So I'm going to go do it because I can. Uh, and my wife is so supportive. In fact, she was the one who, when she saw it, me watching this online said, you need to go do that. And I'm like, but I'd be gone. for." And she just looked at me. She goes, you need to go do that. That is, there's, there's nothing more up your alley that would bring, you know, joy to you than to go do that and you can do it and i was like wow okay i said i'm gonna be gone six months she goes yeah okay (laughs) you know we'll figure it out and so you know i'm already starting to think about what that looks like because now i'm a a family unit of two with two around and i'm gonna go off and i'm gonna become you know a geographic bachelor having one set of experience and my family's gonna keep moving and uh so in, in, you know, in, uh, in May of, uh, 25, let's have this conversation again and see how well I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would think that if anybody has experience with this and can handle this, it would be you, but it, it I mean, the, the way you talk about your wife, I mean, that is so special to truly have someone who cares deeply enough about their spouse, uh, to just sort of put their feelings aside. I know, 
uh, people talk about that. They talk about love and talk about care, but for you to for you to actually experience that, that's that's a what a what a blessing. Um, yeah, that's, that's I, really uh, cool. I, I'm a lucky guy. So so let me ask you this: on you've you've gone through all of this career stuff, everything. It, it, it seems like you've traveled the world, and then in 2021 you retire. And you go from having accountability, uh, sphere of influence, uh, over 60,000 individuals to uh, nothing. And I, I can't help but think that that is a that's a pretty drastic transition. Um, you know, I think about I think about most people who are successful in their careers. And I think about how much of your identity is tied into what you do. Um, for a living in your career, and rightfully so, because like you said, your your motivation changed from career to people along the way. And in being a people person, I can imagine that your position made you feel like, you know, that, that combined with the relationships that you had with people just formed your, just strengthened your identity, so to speak. And uh, how, can you walk us through that uh, you know, the emotional roller coaster of going from, you know, having that level of authority to retirement and how have you managed it? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. Uh, I'll see if I could provide some insight in there. It was, uh, as, as you mentioned, it was a, a, a very, uh, binary, uh, point in my life. I was on, I was off, <laughs> you know, it's like flip of a switch. Um, you know, when you're in the Navy and you get to a very senior level um, and you're running an organization, you know, we have this, uh, this ceremonial piece that we often do called the change of command ceremony. Uh, you know, it's, it's traditional in, in all the services. You basically bring the troops together, uh, you say a couple words, uh, and, and then you read your set of orders and your relief reads their set of orders and you turn to each other and you salute each other and you say, you know, your release says, I relieve you. And you say, I stand relieved. Uh, and it's, it's as quick as that, although it drags on for an hour. Um, but at that moment, every bit of responsibility is kind of lifted on what you're doing right at that particular moment. Um, you know, I'd experienced that many times. But every time I'd done something like that, I always had a new set of orders that was going to another job. So I always had something to look forward to that was kind of going to be more challenging and something new. On May 7th, uh, you know, at about 10:40 in the morning uh, of 2021, uh, my relief, you know, re- saluted me and said, uh, "You know, I, I'm ready to relieve you." And, and I raised my hand and I said, "I stand relieved." I uh, turned to our boss and, you know, I said, "I've been relieved." And she says, "I, you know, I've taken command." And it was that was it. And uh, the build-up to that point was was the toughest six months of my, probably my Navy career. Um, I was in a, I was in a dark place because of a number of things. I think some of it had to do with, you know, anticipating the transition. Uh, I'd come out of a, you know, I had prostate cancer. I came out of that. I, that that's been okay. But, you know, I was dealing with that. Um, there was a lot of political stuff. Uh, and, you know, just hard to get out. Right. I mean, I always, I always viewed the end as like I put a piece of paper and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And then they, they send me home. 
Uh, it wasn't as quite as easy as that. There was fits and starts and political process and Congress and other things that went on. And it just made the whole process really, really hard. So on May 7th, when that happened, there was a, you know, although I had been dreading the loss of the, my, you know, working with the people that I'd been around and other things, I was kind of ready to be done with the job I was doing, like any other job, you know, you get a couple of years in, you're, you're kind of ready to go. Um, and I was kind of really, really looking forward to not dealing with the bullshit anymore. Um, and so on, on that particular day, I was, I was riding high. You know, so it's, it's a great day into the weekend, the after party, the weekend, you know, Monday rolls around. Um, huh. No one's calling. No one needs a thing from me. You know, I'm still sitting in the same house because we hadn't moved out yet. Um, uh, you know, and it, and it just kind of went from there. Um, and it was odd. I tell you, it was it was odd. I think everybody that you know transitions from a career um, like that into some something else, right? And uh, and I had a plan, which was good, right? I, I would always tell everybody have a plan. Um, you know, our plan was uh, to move back to to Mandeville, Louisiana, uh, move back into the house that we own since 2006. Our kids were well. One kid was here. One one was coming back. Uh, we were going to renovate and make the house like we wanted it. Um, and all that was great. We had a plan and, you know, we, we went through that and started executing. I was distracted for a lot of months. Um, people, you know, by, by the, by the renovation, of course, those never go right. It went, you know, four months, uh, four months and X amount of dollars went, you know, two years and five times that, but, uh, you know. But it kept me it kept me occupied, right? And then people started calling me, and I, you know, my my secondary plan was, you know, I at my level, people, they told me people would call me and want me to do consulting work, and you know, they want to use your name and your access, right? And and and, and some and your experience to help shape, you know, business development. Okay, that's fine. I thought I would do that. I got approached by a few people. It happened more than I thought it was gonna, and so I just, you know, I started riding that wave just kind of blindly thinking that was what I was supposed to do. So I rode that way for about two years. Um, I uh, went to the gym, you know, I was practicing my uh, little, I know I was practicing, you know, uh, some tennis of Thumos even before Thumos. I was, I was going to the gym. I was getting fit. I was putting on muscle. Um, you know, I was, I was active. I was spending time with my kids, dealing with the house, doing some consulting stuff, but I was just not, I, I wasn't really satisfied. Um, and there was just something nagging at me, and I, I didn't know what it was. Um, uh, my son, uh, you know, in uh, early this year, uh, had a breakup with his girlfriend. Uh, that led to a lot of soul searching for him. That led him to uh, uh, talking with another Thumos guy that we know, Josh Curry. Uh, Josh invited him on a weekend. Eric said, uh, you want to go with me? And, you know, being a good dad, I thought, well, I'll, I'll go support him. Sure. <laughs> I had, I had no idea anything about Thumos. Uh, I didn't, I, I, even on the, on the, on the ride over driving to Texas, five hour drive to Texas, still didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, <laughs> Josh gave me a little bit of a, gave, gave me a little bit of a heads up, but he was being a little coy with me because he, he just thought it was funny, I think. And, uh, you know, I got there on a Thursday, uh, went out for some Mexican food, met a bunch of good dudes. You know, hung out in the morning with Eric at this beautiful place in Texas. And then we started in, I don't know, two o'clock in the afternoon. 
uh, 30 minutes in, I'm in the center of a circle crying. Uh, and all this stuff came out of me. Uh, and it was all transition related. Um, you know, I had really, really, what I didn't realize, I lost my sense of, of me, right? I had been defined by so many years at wearing a uniform, uh, being called sir, being called admiral, you know, all this stuff that I'd never really wanted. Um, uh, you know, I resisted at some points. I was told I had to play the game because that's the game you play. And, and you know, I mean, it, it is. It's how it works. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then all of a sudden, I wasn't that anymore. And uh, I didn't have my touch points and I didn't, I wasn't doing things in the, and, and I just had lost, you know, who, who did I want to be? And what was my, I didn't have a mission. I didn't have a purpose. I was just existing. And it all came out in a, in a beautiful moment with my son. Poor Eric hadn't even got to his, you know, he was sitting next to me, hit me first. And then he found himself in the middle of a circle uh, with me. And we both got our, we both got our stuff out together. And this mm-hmm. really beautiful moment that that uh, really brought us uh, as a father son so much closer. We, we were already close, but I mean, just so much closer. And um, and I walked away from that. And I went, I went, man. You know what? When you transition, you got to have a plan. But you also got to think about what your purpose is, right? Um, and Thumos has helped me, you know, figure out, you know, what that is. I, I've, I'm. <clears throat> you know, I still do consulting, but I do it on my terms for things I want to do because I found things that bring me f- fulfillment. But I have a plan on how I'm going to stop doing that because I'm not going to play DOD stuff forever. Um, not the, you know, going to school and maybe doing something different. I have a plan on, you know, on that. Uh, I started working with some nonprofits. I went out and I joined, a you know, a leadership cadre in my parish and I've started the network and, you know, and with Thumos, I've met, you know, you know, great, great men who just want to make themselves better and the world around them better. And it's just, it's infectious. Right. And so I wane, you know, I ebb and flow and I wane like everybody else. I got high, I got high moments in life and low moments in, in life. Um, but I can look at my wrist. I can look at my, you know, my weekend band. I can remind myself of my purpose and my mission. Uh, I can get present. I can get still. Uh, and uh, Dave Grisco, another Thumos member, said it on a on a call not too long ago. And he, you know, I think it's a book. Um, but he said, "I'm becoming nobody." And man, that re- resonated with me because that's my journey now, right? I, I, I've, I've reached the pinnacle of this thing that defined me, this vice that all that stuff you read at the beginning. I'm, I'm super proud of it. I've, I've never, I've never downgrade anything I did there, but my road now is, is to serve and, and be part of my community and, and, you know, not to be the person out front, but to be the nobody that makes that, that is, you know, that makes the fabric of the, of the world around you work and, and rise, raises it to a, to a level higher than it, than it can be. And that's what, that's what I think I'm at. Um, you know, yeah. if people call me Admiral, I smile, but if they call me Brian. I smile more. <laughs> so, you know, it's just the way it is. 
Well, I love, uh, you know, j- just hearing hearing your transition and hearing, you know, to me, what comes up for me is is that you had all these gifts that you were sort of uh, just honing in on throughout your career. And then when you retired, you just sort of left those gifts with the Navy, like you left them. And then you be- and then all of a sudden now you're you're through Thumos and through the weekend experience and in this this community, you've recognize that those gifts are still within you and now you're sharing those in a different capacity and like they you yeah. didn't leave them behind and that's a I, that's just I, a wonderful I didn't, thing well i did in a way you know what I, where i left them behind i left them behind in other people mm. um i still mentor about a dozen individual folks uh, and I'm talking to them fairly routinely sometimes it's just reaching out via text other times just talking to them recently, just saw some in person. These were folks that were, you know, I mean, I go back, they were uh, young junior officers, you know, maybe four or five years in the Navy when I first met them. I've got two of them you know, that are, that are captains and they're in command now. And they call me when they're struggling in command or, you know, what their next move should be. And, you know, I can have these conversations with them. Right. And, and, and help, and, and boy, I'm, I'm, I'm as, I'm as, uh, as as fierce as a dad when it comes to man. If if something happens along their career path that that is not right, I lean in. You know, I'll, I'll call their I'll call the the current admiral, the one that you know I've done this a couple times in the in the last year or so, where I've called the admiral uh, that relieved me and saying, "Hey, this ain't right." You know, <laughs> so you know I'm not beyond that, and it, it, I can still give those pieces, but every single individual I've touched and I just had a great opportunity to go to Norfolk and kind of see a lot of these people again you know, in the last couple of weeks, play, play the, play the three-star retired guy for, for a day. And, and, uh, and most of it for me, was about connecting with these folks and just, just hearing from them about things that I left them with or opportunities or things I could just, they will be better servant leaders because of that. So, you know, while I've left, a, I have brought, I bring, I brought a lot of that with me. I think I've left a lot of it behind in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, young men and women who are, who are, you know, standing to watch, as we say right now, defending our country so that I can be on the road to nobody. And I think that's mm-hmm. a beautiful That is a very beautiful thing. Listen, uh, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask if there are people out there that are struggling either with a career change, maybe they've kind of put all their identity into whatever it is they're doing. What piece of advice would you give to them? Uh, I, I think, you know, and and this, I, I think I would say, you know, there's a practical side of, of, of needing to work and, and before you launch, make sure that you're, you know, you've got most of your, your ducks in a row because you don't want to launch and leave your, you know, your family yourself in a, in a, in a, unless it's absolutely necessary. Have a plan. Um, but there's a world of opportunity out there. And that's what I'm discovering. Right. I mean, I live I worked in a very narrow career field for so long. Uh, you know, 1% of the U S is serving in the, in the military, you know, there's another 99% that are doing something else. I had no idea what that something else is. It's a big world. And, and there's a lot of things that you can do. Um, 
you know, just have a plan and be courageous uh, and, and, you know, move forward um, and, and be resilient uh, in the moment, right? Everything, everything is present. You can't control what, you know, what's going to happen, uh, but you can prepare yourself to react to it in a positive way. And in every setback, uh, in every setback, there's an opportunity. Um, and you don't do it in isolation. Have a team around you, your family, your friends, a group like Thumos, people that you can talk to. Uh, because those that try to lone wolf it, and I try to do that at points in my career and realize that was just dumb. You know, wolves have packs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no such thing as a lone wolf. So, um, you know, you got you to gotta have, you need that support. So, um I guess that's what I would tell them that, you know, world of opportunity, you got to do what makes you happy. Um, but, but have a plan and, and, and have a, have a team. Uh, thank you, Brian. And listen, uh, I, I'm sure I can speak for all our listeners out there and thank you for your service. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for being you and finding your way to, to share those gifts post-retirement. I mean, it's, it, that's really special. Um, and I also want to thank everyone on the call for listening today Uh, If you like what you've heard, please remember to follow, share, give us a strong review. And if you're a man searching for improvement and growth, be sure to check out strongdadscommunity.com or check us out on social media. Um, Brian, thank you so much for being here today, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Charlie. And thank you for for having these podcasts. I look forward to them every week. Awesome. All right, y'all. Well, uh, with that, we're out.